welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Punch It, writing in Star Trek. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. This is episode 83 of this grand show that we produce for you every single week, and we're glad to give it. And before we get into the topic of what we're going to be talking about today, we want to start with a plea to go to iTunes and give us a review. Please. Please, 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 please. Go to iTunes, give us a review or whatever it's called now, Apple Podcasts. Same difference. Why Same do they do difference. that? Right, I know it's weird to, to mention it right out of the gate, but we wanted to make sure that you heard it because if you like the show, we get tons of fan mail and we get tons of tweets and everything like that. And if you can take the time to do that, hopefully you can take the time to give us a review because it really does help the show. If you're If you like the show... That is the best way that you can contribute and help out is to give us a review. And if you give us a five-star review, we'll mention you on the show. You can give us whatever review you want and any kind of comment that you want. But if you give us five-star, that gets you on the show. You can also go find us as well as our other episodes as well as other shows on the network by going to thenerdparty.com. And we're producing new content to you every single day of the week. Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, and everything in between. If you're a nerd or a geek, we got something for you. Now, Char, how about we talk about some Star Trek today? Let's do Star Trek. This one was actually your idea. So how about you introduce the topic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were discussing what we were going to do for the week, and I had a little bit of a shower thought. And I got to thinking about our favorite series. I mean, arguably our favorite series. I would say it is. Yes, Voyager. We talked about it for four years for crying out loud. We clearly got some kind of attachment to it. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know, back in the day, I remember the TV guides of 1995 saying that Ethan Phillips, Neelix, was going to be the breakout character on Voyager. And now we know, 20 plus years later, that's not exactly what happened. And I think there's many reasons why. And one of the big ones is just the reception of that character. He did not kind of come across and become that endearing favorite that he was expected to be. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to examine Neelix, knowing what we do now with lots of hindsight. What could we do? How could we rewrite this character to make him a breakout fan favorite, maybe even make him the star of the show, tweak him and correct mistakes to make that happen? You know, as you know, this is this podcast is called Writing in Star Trek, and that's the thing that I think most people have an issue with when it comes to Neelix is the writing, because I haven't heard too many people, if at all, but I don't want to give a blanket statement, criticize Ethan Phillips' portrayal or acting of Neelix. Right. It's really just how they wrote the character, what they put him through, and how he responded to certain situations and things like that, because... I love Ethan Phillips. You love Ethan Phillips. I think he portrayed the character great. I think he portrayed how he was supposed to be written. And I think he brought a lot to the table. Now, when you pitched this to me yesterday, longtime listeners of To The Journey as well as this show know that I like Neelix. Right. And so I came in with the little caveat. I know you love him. So if you don't want to do this idea, I understand. But think about it. 
I think anything can be punched up. I think anything can be made better. I think hindsight is always twenty twenty. So let's see what <laughs> would have been good in the 90s or if we were going to be doing the show again, what would Neelix look like? I think that's a fun conversation, whether you like or hate a character or just plain dislike a character. And the thing is, though, is that, like I'm not making excuses for them by saying like, oh, we like Ethan Phillips because I feel like a lot of podcasts do that where you can't say anything bad about somebody's acting or you can't say anything bad about a Star Trek actor or their portrayal. All you can do is blame it on the writing. Now, while that can be true, it's not always true because, oh my gosh, have I criticized some Star Trek actors in my day? I very much have where I'm just like, really, that was your best line read? So I'm not scared to do that. But in this specific case of Ethan Phillips and Neelix, I do not think it's the actor's issue whatsoever. I really do think it's the writing. Yep, I agree with you. I think he did the very best that he could with the material that he was given. I just think the intent, whatever it was going in, did not translate well to the audience, and it just didn't work out. It didn't click, and we're still talking about it today, so that must mean something. And the fact that general, generally speaking, the fan reception was, oh my god, this annoying alien... You do have to take that into account somewhat. I mean, not everybody who's saying that is crazy, you know? No, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Is that, like, there's certain things that I feel have irrational hatred where, like, Threshold, for example, that has... <laughs> hey, speaking of which, I was just on SETI Alpha 3 sort of defending Threshold, maybe rationalizing a few things. And so that's going to come out uh, the day after this is released. Check that oh, out. Oh, fantastic. Yes, everybody check out SETI Alpha 3. It is our flagship Star Trek show that is just a general Star Trek show while we have a specific content-wise when it comes to Star Trek. So the flagship general Star Trek show is SETI Alpha 3. It's hosted by three great guys. Go to thenerdparty.com slash SETI Alpha 3. Yeah, listen to the defense of Threshold. And I'm about to... I'm not so much going to defend Threshold as is explain about how there's certain things that just become repetitive in fandom where people say it so much that it just starts bouncing off the walls and becomes a thing to do, a thing to hate. Where yeah. if you... And we've talked about this several times, like with Threshold, when Threshold aired, I was just like, well, that was a weird episode. And I didn't give it a second thought. And then I <laughs> went online and everybody acted like it killed their dog. Right. Oh, yeah. I had the same reaction you did shortly after watching. I just thought, oh, wow. Okay, that was weird. Yeah, it was. It, that's it. It was just weird. But then like then the I, w I wasn't angry about it. It was when I went on the Internet and saw all the rage that, oh, wow, people really hated this. And I feel like it becomes a trope where people might not even hate Threshold that much, but they'll talk about it because they're supposed to say something negative about Threshold. It's, it is yeah. a low-hanging fruit. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I feel like Neelix has kind of become that low-hanging fruit where even though he existed before Jar Jar, he's become the Jar Jar of the Star Trek universe. Yeah, a lot of people say that. Yeah, he's an easy target and he's an alien. He, he can be annoying. He can be... an you know, obtrusive. He can be in, you know, he can be in your face and lighthearted to the, to an annoying degree. And so there's no middle ground. I mean, there, there's no like, oh, he's fine. He, you know, whatever. He, he's just a character in a TV show. It's either you're the greatest Star Trek character ever written or you're absolute garbage who needs to be set on fire. I mean, that's the internet today. <laughs> it really is. There's such polarity. The shades of gray are where we're going to go in all of this. Absolutely. So how about before we get into what we would do differently. Let's talk about what works and what doesn't from a writing standpoint. All right. Well, I think the general characterization that they came up for Neelix 
is not all bad. I really, especially going back to those really early Voyager episodes, I love the fact that there is an alien who has absolutely no qualms about things like disobeying Starfleet regulations because he doesn't even know what they are. Yeah. He is intrusive to an annoying degree, but he's kind of a little bit of an allegory of the critics in the audience of, you know, oh, Starfleet does this. I mean, I was, I'm thinking specifically of in the cloud where he goes to Janeway's office and he's like, they, or no, he's talking with Kess. And yeah, he says, the they've, they've got this beautiful ship and what do they decide to do? They go to anything that might potentially blow it up. It's, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's perfect because with TOS and with TNG, you know, we were surrounded by people who were just in Starfleet, just a part of the Federation, and kind of had, you know, similar ideals with one another. That's just kind of yes. how it was. I mean, yeah, you had some outliers where, you know, you had Worf, who was from a different culture, and, and showcased that he was different, but he was still a Starfleet officer. Right. Usually the enemy is the differing opinion. Right, exactly. And so it wasn't until we got to Deep Space Nine where we started getting some different characteristics and different viewpoints where it's just like, well, you call them wormhole aliens, I call them prophets. You know, like it's right. it's this back and forth. Now that's, you know, that's an extreme example. And I feel like Voyager was trying to reproduce that a little bit by having Kess, having Neelix, people who are aliens, but not a part of the Federation, not a part of Starfleet in any way, shape or form. And this is one of those times where it's just like, yeah, why do we do this? Is it just for the thrill of exploration or is it for true exploration? Yeah, yeah. or is it just tradition and we no longer question our procedures? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Corporate groupthink at work. Yeah, so I loved that dynamic and it's kind of annoying on purpose because he is intruding. He's making you th- kind of step outside that Starfleet box that we, I think in this point, we got so used to. So instead of it being refreshing, though, a lot of people are like, oh, my, what are you doing on the bridge, Neelix? Stop it. And here's where I think we could potentially punch this up is we don't change Neelix and his behavior at this particular juncture with this particular behavior. We have Starfleet really try to beat him down in line where maybe we needed more scenes where Janeway says, can you come to the ready room for just a second and then sit him down and say, okay, you're not a Starfleet officer. You're not even supposed to be on the bridge. Like, there's no, not a whole lot of explanation of these Starfleet rules. Neelix, yeah. you're on a Starfleet ship. I need you to maybe read up on a few of the regulations here because Neelix would just act on his own accord because that's what he knew the vast majority of his life. He didn't even think about it. Janeway maybe needed to make him take a step back and think about it. What does it mean to be on a Starfleet ship? Now, eventually, he did fall in line a lot more. Mm-hmm. But those really early days, he's bringing coffee on the bridge and stuff like that. And it's it's very different. That is interesting. I never really thought of it that way. But it's true that towards the beginning, they got much more exasperated with him much more quickly at the beginning of the show because of things like that. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, oh, you know, like stupid Neelix, you know, like he doesn't know how to how a starship works. We do because we've been watching for years. Right. But he hasn't. And so we kind of fall in line with the Starfleet mentality and kind of abuse Neelix through their eyes. Right. We think he's the dumb one. It's not his fault. Why would it be his fault? If anything, it's Starfleet's fault. It's Janeway's fault or Chakotay's fault. I'm going to put it on Chakotay as the XO to kind of help guide the individuals towards proper procedure. Like, listen, if you're going to live here, if you're going to contribute, you need to know how to contribute. That's really interesting. 
And before we expound on that, I kind of I want to touch back on what you said about the other, you know, like about how Neelix is the opposing viewpoint from the outside perspective. And we because we consider ourselves Starfleet, like when you go to a convention, most people are going to be wearing a Starfleet uniform. Yeah. Starfleet's us. Exactly. Starfleet is us. We identify with the protagonist because that's what you're supposed to do in a show. Right. They're our heroes. And that's what makes me think about Breaking Bad. Walt is our protagonist, and he is a bad man who does bad things, but we want him to win because he is a protagonist. He is our viewpoint. We yeah. are we are seeing the world through his lens. And Anna Gunn, who played his wife, Skylar, talked about the surprising amount of vitriol that her character would get from the fans and the message boards and social media and everything like that because they would just call her so annoying and counterproductive and a martyr. And she was just super surprised because she's like, put yourself in this person's shoes. Think like, yes. think about if this really happened in real life, who would you side with when you read that newspaper article? Yeah, you would side with Skylar. Exactly. And that's the thing. But we, as moviegoers and TV watchers and fans, are programmed to agree with the protagonist 90% of the time just because they are the protagonist. And so yep. I think it's fascinating that you bring that up about Neelix because it's so on the nose. It's perfect. Oh, and that's a great comparison. I, I think a lot of people didn't like Skylar on Breaking Bad because she was that opposing viewpoint. And how dare she obstruct Walt? Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. come on. Yeah, He's Walt's doing awful things. She's the one who's trying to have some sort of semblance of normalcy at least early on. <laughs> and then yeah. eventually, I mean, she gets caught up in it. But for the longest time, she wasn't fully aware. And she wasn't wrecking her home life. He was. Exa exactly. Whose fault is this? Yeah. Who's, Come it's on. All Walt's that, fault. She yeah. got a lot of unwarranted hate. Absolutely. So let's talk about, since you just brought up unwarranted hate, let's bring up warranted hate. What went okay. wrong with Neelix? The humor. I think they tried too hard to make Neelix a funny comic relief kind of character and the brand of humor that they used with kind of his over enthusiastic uh, enthusiasm it didn't work it came across uh, kind of like I want to say and, and this might be insulting to five-year-olds but kind of like five-year-old humor where like when Neelix goes wow several times mm -hmm. on the bridge mm -hmm. in the queue in the gray He's supposed to be funny, and Tuvok is, you know, knocking him down a notch, rightfully. But it's not funny. It is annoying, and it, it doesn't work. So maybe Neelix needed a more refined and clever sense of humor. I think that's pretty accurate, because I feel like that's an overall Star Trek problem, though. I feel like there's certain times when Star Trek tries to be funny, and it's really hit or miss. But the misses yep. can be wide. And yeah. I feel like Neelix is kind of in a, a perfect encapsulation of that where his humor doesn't work. It's written too juvenile. And it's not until we get into the later seasons where it's a little bit more subtle. Like I'm thinking about the Borg children episode where they're all playing poker on the floor of the Delta Flyer. Uh-huh. And Neelix, is, he's like, oh, okay. So he keeps asking questions about, about the game. He's like, so if I do this, then you get to do that. And then I have to bet this. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then towards the end, he's like, does that mean I won? 
And they're like, oh, okay, the innocent Talaxian routine, you know, like that kind of thing. Like that right. kind of subtle humor he did really well because Ethan Phillips is a great actor. But they just went over the top with him too many times. And I think that was a perfect example that you gave, though. Wow, just wow. You know, yeah. like you can practically hear him say it. We're not getting anything out of that. Yeah, that's sort of the, like that almost too straightforward enthusiasm branded as humor. No, honestly, I think because Neelix was a traitor and maybe dealt with some uh, shady people and whatnot, he should have had a more clever sense of humor. Like in the example you just illustrated where he uh, he's playing, forgive the expression, he's playing his car or cards a little close to the vest. You don't know exactly mm-hmm. what he's thinking. And then he comes out with the reveal. And then you could really craft some just fall out of your chair funny moments with that. But no, that's not what we got. So... The moral of the story is, as I think, if they had crafted a better sense of humor for Neelix, that alone would have improved his character vastly in terms of audience reception. And also think about the best moments of Neelix, like the best episodes that that were given him. Like think about the episode where he lost his lungs, Mm -hmm. the episode where he tried to get the map and then accidentally became a drug dealer, and (laughs) the episode where he died for an extended period of time and then was brought back all of these are filled with confliction and drama and pain and introspection yeah and it shows that the character is there the roots are there the bones are solid on neelix the scavenger the war survivor the conscientious objector the cook the everyman it was just like the, the man with the moral center like All of that is great material. And you know what? Those are some of the very best episodes that feature Neelix when we kind of go more toward his dark side. When we get to Mm -hmm. really know who the guy is, He and we all do this. We all kind of put our mask on when we present ourselves to other people. His is, is, I'm a jovial, happy person. I want to make you happy. But behind that mask is a man who has gone through a lot of pain, which I think is the most interesting thing about him. You remember the episode where Tuvok was losing control of his emotions? And I think it was after the suitor mind meld. Okay, yeah. It's called meld, I believe. Well, there you go. That's easy enough. (laughs) So there was a scene where Tuvok is in the mess hall. He's alone and then Neelix comes up and Neelix is especially annoying. He's just... yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's just like grating on him. He's in his face. And there comes a time when he literally puts his fingers on Tuvok's mouth Uh and tries to arc a smile. And I remember watching this live with my parents and my mom almost threw the remote. She says, like, this is why I don't like Neelix. This is ridiculous. This right here. She kept talking. She's like, like, this is too much. This should not be happening. This is annoying. This is distracting. And then that's when Tuvok snapped. And took Neelix by the neck and then killed him and threw him. And then he said he's like in program. And you're just like, oh, it was all a Haldic simulation. That makes sense. But I feel like the writers knew that that was like what they did was they found his worst qualities that they've been writing for a couple of years Uh and then put them in one scene. So the writers and the producers know what's wrong. They know what doesn't work because they exploited it in that one scene. You're right. They had to have been aware at that point of how the audience was seeing Neelix because you're right. They did encapsulate the very worst of him in that, that fantasy for Tuvok. So 
going forward, I mean, they slowly did refine his character. He did change a little bit, but not a hard reset or anything like Mm -hmm. that. I don't think they went far enough if they wanted to acknowledge that and fix the problem. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't see anything wrong with that. But then, like, that creates a complete contradiction in my brain. Yeah. It's strange, but, like, let's use that as a jumping off point for what we would do differently. Okay. So we're creating the show, Star Trek Voyager, and we got everybody in line, including cast, including the captain, Tom Paris. Everybody is there. And we're just like, you know what? We need that Neelix character. You know, we, we have the name down. We have some, you know, adjective words to describe him, but we don't really have him. How would you pitch Neelix in the writer's room? I think one word would change a lot, and that is clever. If he's a scavenger, if he's a traitor, if he is everything that he really claims to be, which he halfway wasn't, which was also an annoying thing, let's make him the real deal. Let's make him really know his territory. And granted, they are going to go past it, and he is going to have that existential crisis of, am I still useful on Voyager? But in that moment, make him truly the guide. Make him show Voyager the ropes of what they're dealing with in the Delta Quadrant because it was supposed to be so different, right? Mm -hmm. Make him clever. Give him tactics. Give him useful things that he can provide to Janeway. Because I feel like a lot of times they halfway did it. They halfway made him useful. But a lot of times he would fail. That only makes him look like a fool. I think there were times when... They tried to play it for laughs where sometimes he's just like, oh, yeah, you got to stay away from these people. They're in conflict. But then there's other times when he's just like, I'm famous for knowing this sector. He's yeah. like, well, just kind of well known for it. Well, I, I, I'm pretty good at it. Well, I've never heard of it. You know, like crap like that. Yep, that needs to go. All of that. They tried to make that a recurring thing where he would boast really high but then kind of whittle it down. I think that's a great addition. Like make him clever. Make him the real deal on what he says that he is. I mean, everybody has shortcomings. Everybody boasts. So we can keep that, but still make him more the real deal than not. Yeah. And one thing that I'm thinking about with the humor, make the humor inadvertent. Like, make Hmm. it to the point where he's not trying to be funny. He just is. That would be great. Where Because, like, that's the thing with Neelix is that he's trying to be the life of the party. He's trying to crack the joke. Yeah. And sometimes it's funny because he does the crack the joke. Sometimes he's funny because it falls flat. But most of the time, it's not funny when it falls flat. It just falls flat. Yeah. And it's Star Trek saying, like, oh, that's funny because it's not funny. No, it's not, guys. It's just straight up not funny. (laughs) It's lame. And so the person that I kind of am thinking of, have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy? No. Okay, I was scared of that. Sorry. There's an alien character who literally doesn't get sarcasm. And it's funny because there's a character who says like, oh, that's Drax. He's a, I can't remember what species he was. He's like, he's a such and such. He doesn't get sarcasm. It goes straight over his head. And he goes, he's like, listen, nothing would go straight over my head. My reflexes are way too fast. I would catch it. (laughs) that would be so good that would be a perfect thing like an alien response have an alien who doesn't get our idiosyncratic sayings do it like data like data doesn't get the sayings but he would straight up say like what does that mean you know like you know what what but like have neelix do something that's alien where he's just like 
I don't know what the hell burning the midnight oil means. But I'll try it. But I'll try it. You know, like something something along those lines where it's a fish out of water mentality. And that's where the humor comes from. Not from him being stupid, but him being a fish out of water. Yeah. We even got a little bit of that from Spock. I think in Star Trek Four when Jillian Taylor says she's about to drop Spock off at the park. Are you sure you won't change your mind? And he says, is there something wrong with the one I have? Yeah, so, like something in the vein of that. Like obviously not a re- reproduction, but... No, but along those lines would have been yeah. great for Neelix. And you know what? Then we really would have been laughing at that sense of humor. And I think it would have endeared us to Neelix. Like something that worked with Neelix, like when he said, he's like, I wonder if I have enough jalopy nose. You know, like some people think that's pretty lowbrow, but I thought it was funny. You know, like that kind of thing. It was way better than some of the other crap they were doing. Mm-hmm. Or like the coffee bit. Like when he went to Janeway and said, he's like, this is even better than coffee. Oh, right. And then he pours it. He's like, once you can get it past the lips, it, it, it kind of wriggles down and it's just kind of dripping. Yeah. And that's that's an alien thing. And she hightails it out of there. And then he takes a swig of it and just kind of shudders. And he's just like, mm, and then walks away. That's funny. That works because he's alien. Yeah, that's good stuff. But it's when they were trying too hard that they really just belly flopped and made the character suffer as a result. And us. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Because one thing that I think doesn't work with the fish out of water, Neelix, is his, and you mentioned this, is being overly enthusiastic, too bright, too chipper, and it's just grating. Now, in Enterprise, Phlox, he's enthusiastic, he's chipper, but he's not grating and he's alien and he's fish out of water so why does Phlox work and Neelix doesn't I think because they learned from Neelix to tone it down a little when you look at John Billingsley's performance delivering Phlox he is a very just I mean you can kind of tell he's a calm collected generally happy person Mm -hmm. But he's not in your face about it. He's not trying to be the life of the party. He just is that way. Whereas Neelix is really projecting. He wants so much for you to be as happy as he is saying he is. That's the thing. That is the key difference because I agree with you 100%. And that's why I brought it up is because Fox shares a lot of the same characteristics as Neelix, but he's not in your face. He is not interjecting himself into your life. But when he is, it is for your own good. And the audience understands that it's for your own good. And he tries to do it in a subtle way. Yeah. Like when he goes to uh, the Captain Archer and he's talking about it's a lot of sexual attention. He's just like, hey, I don't need my doctor talking to me about sexual attention. He's just like, okay, fine. And then like he walks around him and, he's, and he says a different word for it. But he's just like, huh, three Freudian slips in uh, one conversation. Hmm. And he just kind of walks away. It's just like, it's this subtle nod, this subtle hint to him knowing the situation, but not Neelix in that situation would have grabbed Archer, grabbed Paul and said like, you guys, you guys got something going on. Let's make this happen. Yes, he would have tried to have played matchmaker and he would have been really straightforward about it. And again, that I think would have totally flopped. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key difference. I think even if we didn't rewrite Neelix completely, if we just took out the intrusiveness, he would be much more well-received. But I like your clever idea. Obviously, I like the the more subtle humor idea or just, you know, make him funny by not trying to be funny, by not trying to be the life of the party. And this is not a knock on Ethan Phillips, but I think it would have been interesting if we had a character 
who was large, who was an incredibly tall person, like basically like Saru, but bulky. Okay, sort of like a gentle giant. Is that what you're going for? Yes, that's what I'm going for, like a gentle giant. And I don't know why. It's just something that's in my brain. I have no reasoning behind it. Hagrid. Yes, yes, very much like Hagrid, very much like Hagrid. And we would make Kess his ward, not his love interest. Oh, yeah, can we definitely redo that whole pit? Because that never worked for me at all. And I think this would. I think if if we kept the storyline the same about how he rescued Kess and how he felt like he owed her something, and now Kess feels like he she owes him something, but it's all, it's a life debt. It's not romance. It's... It is, I am responsible for Kess. I take care of Kess, but I'm not romantically involved with Kess. I honestly think it's a protector type thing. Like, I would have liked to have seen the gentle giant be older. I would like him to be the oldest person on the ship. Hmm, an older Neelix. That would have been interesting. Like, maybe not as old as Tuvok, but somebody who is visibly older. Uh Uh-huh. And someone who, like, when they throw out that morale officer wisdom stuff, we're just kind of like, oh, this person has seen some stuff. (laughs) Just because of the physicality of, hey, you're older, therefore you must be wiser. Exactly. And I know that it's Star Trek where Tuva can be in the triple digits. And, of course, Neelix can be through things and it doesn't matter about age. But I'm just saying, from an audience standpoint, I think that would go a long way with selling a few things. That would create a different dynamic, too, I think, of maybe even respecting Neelix a little bit more you know the whole thing respect your elders if he really does bring the expertise if he really does have knowledge and wisdom to impart that's going to change the way people think about him and they're going to go to him and ask him hey what do you know about this and they're going to know that the answer that they get out of him is good rather than well, there was this one time, you know, then he goes into some weird tirade that has very little to do with the actual thing that was asked. Now, do you remember, and maybe I feel this way just because I've latched onto this one shot and I don't know why, the first time we see Neelix on Voyager. I do remember, yes. Yeah, he meets Tuvok for the first time and he's on the transporter pad and Tuvok stands right in front of Neelix And Tuvok is not on the transporter pad, and Neelix is. And Neelix is just a little bit taller than Tuvok. And if you look at that shot, he has this long coat on. Uh He looks a little imposing. He's taller. That coat makes him look like he's a little bit more bulked up. He's bigger. Imagine Neelix that size in that kind of coat, but just a little grayer and a little wrinklier. (laughs) And that's kind of my image for that character. Hmm. I could go along with that. Sure. Yeah, I'd actually like it if, in physicality, if he was just constantly a little taller than Tuvok, because Tim Russ, I mean, there were a lot of tall guys on that show, but to top it all off, that would have been really interesting. And would have, and there's a reason why Saru is so tall in Discovery, is that it helps with the alien aspect. Even if Neelix was at a quote-unquote normal height, you know, like of being six foot three or six foot four, which is so many people are. Even though that is a human height, if we make him that tall or taller, like my brother-in-law, he's six foot nine. You know, that's super tall. But even though there's tons of people who are six foot nine, we still see it in an alien realm. Like if we put that into an alien in a futuristic thing or a sci-fi lens, it kind of helps us feel alien. Uh Uh-huh. This is no insult to people who aren't average height. I'm just saying that's how TV works. Sure, sure. 
well, interestingly enough, a lot of actors are fairly short in stature. It's true. It's 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 this weird thing that just is there. We shorties like to perform, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, like Tom Cruise, Jeremy Renner. Um, yeah. You know, like uh, all famously sh- uh, shorter actors, and I'm blanking on other ones, but it's true. You know, like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So any other things that you would change or add or put into the Neelix character if you were rewriting it? Because I feel like we've done a fairly good job of reforming him. I think that's the thing is that like his background is great. His background is solid. His roles on the ship are great. It's really just tone it down. Yeah. It's don't make him interject himself into people's lives so much. Like if he interjects himself, let him do it subtly. Let him do it behind the scenes. Don't be so in your face and crazy. Make the humor real from the situation and from how he responds to the situation, not him trying to be crazy and trying to be funny. And make him genuinely clever, not accidentally clever. So really, minor tweaks we're doing here. That's it. That's all. But it was a lot of fun exploring this. All right, everybody, that was our episode, and uh, let us know what you think of the Neelix character, what worked, and what didn't. We've had 20 years to think about it, <laughs> so please let us know by going to thenerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop-down menu, fill out the form, it'll send us an email, or you can find us on Twitter at joinnerdparty. You can find me personally on Twitter at the insane Robin, And you can find me at oh the profanity. And we have no idea what we're going to do next week, but as usual, as you guys have learned to expect, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.